You're listening to Novel Bound, a podcast dedicated to making you laugh and keeping you company. Each week, we're sharing all of our favorite books and the embarrassing side of life. Welcome back to Novel Bound. I'm Anna. And I'm Celine. And today we are talking about book endings that we would change if we could. Get ready. This should be a pretty fun episode. (laughs) Okay, so we're going to mention really quickly the books that we're going to say ahead of time. So that way you don't have to like stress about like, oh no, if I read them or not. Yeah. So Anna, do you want to read your books really quick? Yeah. So I have Pride and Premeditation, The Dark Days Club, book three, and then honorary mention, The Demon Died. Yeah. <laughs> and um, obviously like there'll be sections and we'll tell you like, okay, skip two minutes if you don't want to All of mine are like, this. could be counted as spoilers because they are within the last like five years. Yeah. Mine are not. Mine are, I tried to keep them like pretty- so I think the only one that is not like super well-known is Truly Devious. Um, but I, I have the Red Queen series, Harry Potter, Truly Devious, The Maze Runner, Hunger Games, um, and The Summer I Turned Pretty. So those are like the books that I have um, that I want to talk about today. I cannot wait to talk about The Summer I Turned Pretty. Ooh, I've already talked about it to death, but I cannot wait to talk about it again. I'm hurting still from it. These are books that hurt us. So um, these yeah. are, hopefully if you've listened or if you've read most of these books, you should be fine. And we'll, we'll do a spoiler, like alert for certain ones and we'll announce mm-hmm. it. So that way you'll still be safe. Like we won't hurt you, but you, we are going to talk about a lot. Yeah. So it is going to be a little spoilery just for the ending. And most of it is because of we're mad about how like the coupling worked out. So like, yes. it's not really going to be spoilers for like major plot points of the book. No. So Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so um, our cold open today is we wanted to explain a, an inside joke that we have been, cre- that we created like yeah. between us. Oh, like months a, ago. Yeah. I know, but it's like my favorite one because it's one of my favorite ways to bicker <laughs> with you ever. <laughs> so explain. I know. Celine. Oh my gosh. I don't even know. <laughs> Celine, even when we were talking about, we were like, how did this even become an inside joke? And she was like, um, because you told me thinking that I didn't know what parts of the Caribbean was. And I was like, I would never talk down to you like that. (laughs) Celine hates being told that she doesn't know something when she does. She's like, I I literally, she, like I'm speaking in the worst. I I hate being underestimated. I'm like, underestimate me. I will destroy you. So so Anna and I were talking about Disney World and Disneyland rides, right? Like that's what you told me. Yeah, I don't even really remember the full story. I just remember that we were talking about rides and I was like, it's crazy. Oh, it's probably something like, it's crazy how Disney can make like such successful franchises. And I was like, you know, like parts of the Caribbean is based off of that one ride in Disney World. And so and it was like, like, no, 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 no. I think I paused for too long or something. And then it goes, you know, like that like, movie about the, like, like very, it's a very like, successful franchise. Yeah, it's a very <laughs> successful franchise. And she just like goes on. She's like, you know, Jack, Captain Jack Sparrow, like the pirate, like, you know, the, the Pirates Caribbean ride. And I just looked at her and I was like, Anna, I know. And I'm like, I know what parts of the Caribbean are. <laughs> it was just so funny. Like the level to which she started explaining to me. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I was so, so anytime that like one of us like, d- like over explains or something, we just start sending each other like pirate ship emojis. Yeah. And we're like, stop. Like, you know, Disney once made this very successful franchise. Have you ever heard <laughs> of this word pirate? <laughs> I, I'm so sad we didn't record it because it was right before we like started an episode and I was like it was it was like history making it was so good oh my gosh I loved it so anyway so if you see us in any way like do anything about pirates or whatever mm-hmm. it's when someone man that's what we're referencing 
It's a yeah. fun time. Okay, so our question for our cold open today is what is something girls should learn that usually aren't taught? You have to go first. Okay. I have to like simmer in what my answer is. I think that um honestly like I love the way that I was raised. I think that I was raised with like to be independent and to be strong, but this is something that I'm dealing with with my daughter and um she's now like at she's like turning four and she's doing all these social things and when someone like says something about like to her that's mean or rude or whatever or she feels like she doesn't belong she comes to me and she's like why don't I fit in and it's so sad because you're like oh Adelaide like I wish that you knew this uh, that I had learned is that um people that don't fight for you are not worth fighting for and what people's opinion of you is is more of a reflection of them than of you and um you know like I just think that girls do not understand. Like, I remember I would have given anything to like sit at the popular table or to like be loved or accepted by a certain, by like a person, but like the people that are meant to be in your corner, they are waiting for you. And you just like, don't, don't put in the time to like, you know what I mean? Like if some, if somebody like I have a neighbor, that's kind of not like my best friend neighbor, but I have another neighbor that like literally is so rude to me. And I'm like, I have, I see no value in changing your opinion of me. Cause like, I yeah. don't, I don't want someone that isn't fighting for me to like be my friend. So no, I totally agree. I love that advice. That's so true. Plus I feel like, especially when you are in high school, that is how you are living. You are living to please. Yes. Like the people around you, the popular kids. But get invited pra- to this party. Yeah. Practicality wise. Um, I have two points for this one taxes my gosh Ann and I try to do taxes and it was absolutely horrific. I think it was like Florida some state just passed a law that requires like high schoolers to take a class on how to like do finances and do your taxes and balance checkbook yeah. and like do all these adult things and I'm like why wasn't this in place earlier because yeah I feel like they just put you out into the adult world and they're like okay now go get a lease on an apartment and know how to do it and know how to do yeah. like know how to budget and it no. ain't easy it's so important. Um, I was in this, like this hybrid class with fourth and fifth graders when I was in fourth grade and we did like little things like that. And I remember we did like a unit where we invested in the stock market for like, like fictionally. And we talked about how our stocks grew. And I was like, why are we talking about this, but not like how to like what an IRA is and like why you should invest in your 401k and like how to build credit and set reminders and like things like that. Yeah. I just think it's like so funny, like coming out, but also, um, so besides taxes, but it was absolutely ridiculous. Anne and I were trying to do taxes and I don't know how to do math. I feel like my brain partially melted and it has not recovered. No, it hasn't. No, same. I like have been in like a daze for like the last 24 hours just being yeah. like, what is, and I still have to do my own taxes. And I'm like, Oh, I, Oh no. My sweet husband, I like did our taxes with you. And mm-hmm. then I was like, you are on your own, bud. And he's like, yeah. all right, I got it. And I was, wow, it was a treat to me because I could not imagine having to, after going through all of that for novel on taxes, having to do my own personal taxes. Oh Ooh. yeah. Well, I have to do it my own for the light taxes. Luckily I used a client management system, which man, I wish they were sponsors. Oh, as well. that's nice. But yeah. with HoneyBook and they have kept track of like all of my like income stuff. And then See, that's nice. I'm like, cause I feel like even for us, it wasn't hard because my husband, has a job obviously and so he just got a w2 in the mail and all that. he had to do was be like copy form e2 into this i love little that. bracket yeah it was great yeah. it was a good time yeah um the meme where they're like 
um, we're not going to tell you how much you owe, but you have to figure it out on your own. And if you're wrong, you go to jail. <laughs> go to jail. Yeah, literally. Yeah. I'm like, okay. And to, uh, we don't have to get into it, but I'm like, taxes are crazy right now. There's like a 12% tax. Like, yeah. Yeah. we dumped tea into the Boston Harbor for a 4% tax or 4 or 5%. It was like something I didn't like know that. that. So I'm like, yeah. I'm like, mm, how the times have changed. Oh, Anyways. how the turntables. <laughs> <laughs> okay, getting in. So what is your thing that girls should learn? Um, the only thing I could think of is that like I feel like I see all over TikTok right now the there's like this whole feminist movement, which like I at heart am a total feminist. I'm like, girls be girl bossing it in the world, slay that yeah, so like girl boss, gatekeep. Let's go. Literally, yeah. I'm like, girls can do anything they want to do. Um, but there's this this thing I've been seeing on TikTok where it's like like ladies, if your man wanted to, he would. And it's like always about like, this guy goes out and he gets his wife chocolates and flowers. And they're like, if he wanted to, he would. And I'm like, okay, if you wanted to, you would too. So I'm like, if you want to set the standard so high, like you have to meet your own standard. And it's not even just with relationships. It's just with life itself. Like, like your friendships, if you want to have friendships where people reach out to you and plan all these things. Like you also have to reach out to people and plan fun things. And yeah, you just have to live up to what your expectation for other people are. Oh yeah. Plus I'm one of those, I'm of the mentality of like, buy yourself flowers. Why are you yeah. waiting for someone to buy you flowers or buy you? I'm like, buy yourself flowers. Like, sounds totally. good. like, and then you just enjoy them because it's special and fun, but that's super good advice. I like that. I was going to say, can I tell you like one of my secret dreams? Yes. So this is like why I wanted to do the question. I was like, oh, this is cool. So I, when I get to a place of financial stability, I really want to start like a foundation or a charity of some kind where um, we teach girls in low income areas who like have um, low income areas or like who are from like mm -hmm. single, single mother families who don't have like a lot of those opportunities. And I want to do an entrepreneurship club. So like after Aww. school, um, and there's like special activities and stuff like that, where like you bring in different members of the community to come and speak and you just teach girls how to be entrepreneurs, how to start a business, how to be say, you know, how to do those things. Because I think yeah. that that confidence in themselves that like, if, cause oftentimes like girls that are not raised in homes with fathers, there's like a much higher chance of them, like having a lot of financial struggles down the road. And I want to like teach women how to become financially independent without having to like go through so many obstacles. And I think that that mm -hmm. confidence themselves. So I want to call it like inspire her or like empower her. Um, okay. and just like have like, you know, different people come in and stuff like that. And it's just like a free program for girls and, and like middle school yeah. age and above that just like learn how to become, you that know, is so better. awesome. I could totally see you doing something like that. Yeah. It's not an dream, okay. but it's like, I think that mm -hmm. if someone can learn a skill and learn how to market themselves, like that's so important. So, yeah, no, I totally agree. I love that. Yeah. Wow. Good cold open. Okay. Switching gears. What is the, let's talk about the topic of the day. Okay. Books. Yeah. Book endings. We would change if we could. I'm really <laughs> excited. In fact, you even wrote on a couple questions, like beforehand yeah. let's get philosophical in this these are like these are like my deep questions okay does a book need a happy ending to be good no I think we all know that no it does not I think a lot of us read books sometimes to get a happy ending yes right because it's like an escapism mm -hmm. from the world. so but 
like there are definitely some books I've read that didn't have a happy ending, but I'm like, for it changed my life. This like what? Give me an example. Well, just like the a book I can think of right now is a man called Uva, which I talked about like a really long time ago on this podcast. But like, and it technically was a happy ending, but like not really. I don't want to spoil anything, but like it was such a good thought provoking book. I feel like books that don't have happy endings are, you know, very, very thought provoking. That's true. Um, I somewhat agree and somewhat disagree. I think that it depends on where, like knowing ahead of time that it doesn't have a happy ending and also knowing or knowing like you go into it, not to have like the guilty pleasure, but to like learn something. Yeah, that's true. Because if I was reading like a contemporary book and I was like, oh, I cannot wait for these two leads to get together. Like the book has been pushing this the whole plot and then they don't get together at the end. I would probably be like, what the crap? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we have contemporary guilty pleasure and like nonfiction or fiction based, but like that are meant to like teach you things. What about fantasy books? Do you feel that fantasy books need to have happy endings to be good? I feel like mostly, yeah. Like not everything has to be perfect, but I'm like, I, the bones of a fantasy book is like, there's um, a lot. There's I feel like, like every many options, but I'm like, basically, you know, you have the hero and they come in and either the world is in danger or their world is in danger and mm-hmm. they have to put it back together and fix it somehow. And along that journey, they accept that they're a hero and they accept that they have to fix everything. And so the ending should be them fixing everything. Yeah. 100%. So if they don't, oh. then yeah, that sucks. <laughs> I know. I was like when I was reading a uh, heartless by Marissa Meyer and I was oh my like, gosh. What? I, I did not even pick that up because I knew I knew exactly what it was. And I was like, I'm not doing this to myself. <laughs> yep. I'm going to get, we talked about this last time. Cause I was literally like, what, mm-hmm. what? Okay. I think that a fantasy historical fiction, those books need to have a happy ending to be good because that is what we are getting in it for. If we're going to watch someone gain powers, like, especially like a Regency book era, yeah. I'm like, they have to have a happily ever after. Yeah. And it doesn't a happily ever after doesn't mean that like the person has to like have 16 children and yeah. like live on a farm, but like they just need to have. So there's like the Intense, internal yes. and external conflict, yeah. which is like crazy because like you and I, while we're writing, there are two goals. There is an external conflict and an internal conflict. Yeah. Those two things need to be accomplished by the end of the book. And then that's that's like what you revolve around the story. So when things like that don't happen, I am so confused. Now, what about a series, like a book in a series? Like if it's in the middle, like if it doesn't have a happy ending, like for example, The Last Graduate. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Um, I think that sometimes that's just a plot device to yeah. hopefully set us up for a happy ending. In yeah. fact... I'm so dumb. I didn't message this to you, but I'm glad I'm bringing it up now. The plot, the like book excerpt, the third book is on Goodreads. Have you read it? No, we're interviewing. It makes me Guys, nervous. we're going to like brag for a second. We're bringing um, Noemi Novik on. Is it Noemi or no? Naomi Novik? Naomi. Where did Noemi? I think I knew a girl named Noemi. That's why this is. Read it to me. Okay, okay. It's called The Golden Enclaves. Are you ready? Which like the, the title alone makes me so happy. Okay, I read know. it. It, it makes me nervous though. <laughs> the only reason why. Saving the world is a test no school of magic can prepare you for, and the triumphant conclusion to the New York Times bestselling trilogy that began with the deadly education and the last graduate. Almost single-handedly, although backed by an increasingly large cadre of genuine friends, Elle has changed the nature of the scholar forever. But now that she is back in the real world, home will 
how will the lesson she learned inside the school apply? Will her grandmother's prophecy come true? Will she really spell the doom of all the enclaves forever? As the quest to save her one true love ramps up, however, Elle is about to learn the most significant lesson of all, the dire truth on which the enclaves and the whole stability of the magical world are founded. And being Elle, she is not likely to let it lie. <laughs> I'm like, if this whole book is basically her trying to figure out how to get to... Mm, yeah that was like the hardest thing I think and I think we talked about this book too where we're like if she spends the entire book I was like so mad about the way that that book ended because I was like it means that the entire book is just them saving someone which by the way feels like the last Star Wars movie I have so many opinions about the last Star Wars movie because I literally feel like their entire plot was pointless absolutely pointless it's just a bunch (laughs) of people going on missions and suddenly there's like horse races and like discussions and like everyone happened what happened is because this happens a lot in second books and even do you remember when we had um wow i'm shelby maharan on and she was like i got a lot of flack from my second book because you have to put a lot of unlikable things in the second book to set the tone and like the plot for the third book up so that, that happens a lot in second books where the second book falls flat compared to the first and the third okay so give me an example of someone who has done it perfectly then shelby or not shelby uh stephanie garver did she do it um all I, of those books are one book for me because i read them all oh, in yeah literally same. i'm like uh, uh yeah the, the thing is that what made stephanie's work is that she had a point of view change right the first book was scarlet and then the second book it's basically right. a standalone book and then a duology because you have tell us story after I think that there's power in duologies. I don't think I'm here for the trilogy anymore. Duologies like- are really popular right now. One, because people don't have the patience to wait for a trilogy to come out now. No. Well, I'm writing a duology. And it's because, like, I don't, yeah. I see them as, like, two half, two heart, two sides of a heart locket. Yeah. You know what I mean? They, like, fit Aww. together. Yeah. Um, but, no, like, honestly, and, like, we talked a little bit about Deventide. I think that it would have been so much better as a trilogy with several novellas. I agree. I'm like, there really were 18 point of views in Demon Tide. <laughs> we're not, we're not okay. 18. Still. We haven't recovered. We haven't recovered. Will I ever recover is the question. <laughs> no, no. Okay. When <laughs> is a character's death necessary or unnecessary in a book? Like when has, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, this is a great question. Obviously, the basic answer is like, it's really necessary if it pushes the plot forward or if it pushes the main character to go through an emotional change or, you know, accept their fate, fight for the things they really want because of this character has died. You know, it has to domino affect things. What about when it's unnecessary? You mean like when somebody dies and sacrifices themselves? And then it ends up turning out that that sacrifice meant absolutely nothing and, and everything no one grows up happening and no one grows from it at all. They no one like grows on immediately. That's when it's unnecessary. <laughs> okay. So like, we're going to spoil a little bit of Harry Potter for like one second. Yeah. Which come on, you've had your chance. If you, you don't know chance. this, you've had your chance. We've done a whole readathon. We've given you time. Okay. Right. Let's talk about the multiple deaths that mm. are in Harry Potter. There's lots. So like Cedric's death very necessary very necessary 
Because, and like it had to push Harry into the seriousness of the situation. Oh my gosh. Like the tone change of the third book yeah. to the fourth book, completely different. It also oh, took yeah. this like fantastical, silly world where nothing bad happens, but magic, but something could happen to like, oh my gosh, that's or my like, boy. Or, you know, that's my boy. <laughs> bad things do happen, but there are adults there who will save the children. And then you realize that like, oh no, they, they have to save themselves. Yes. Yeah. Okay. What do you think? So JK Rowling was going to originally kill, um, was it Arnold? Arthur? Arthur. It was Arthur Weasley. Arthur I do Weasley. remember this. And then she chose to kill Fred. Sirius Black. Oh, this is the fifth book. In the oh, the fifth, the fifth book. book. Okay. Um. So what I don't do know you how feel, I feel like... about this? I think that it. I wish J.K. Can you come on for a second? Come here. I know, right? Let me call her personally. Just call up J.K. Hey, Rowling. Uh, J.K. Rowling. When you decided to kill off Sirius Black, what was your reasoning and motivation behind it? Um. I. I have to think about that. Not think about it, but like, I do have thoughts about it. I think that like, even before that, Harry was making reckless decisions. Like mm-hmm. his decision to go to the ministry was because he was like, well, I'm Harry Potter. Like I I can do it. I can do anything. And so like having him witness Sirius's death, like really made like, even it's like basically Cedric's point too, because right. It made him realize this severeness of the situation and like how evil these people are and I don't know I think he like it sucked to see Cedric die and he was definitely affected by that but like it's not like he was friends with Cedric it's not like serious oh because Sirius is like his father because Sirius is his father figure and now he's dead he like he's really is stepping into the role of the chosen one right Ooh, wait go more on that so stepping into the role of the chosen one just like everyone around him like his parents are dying a lot of the people around him are dying they're not safe it says i mean it really sets the tone for the seventh book right because he's all moody and he doesn't want to trust anyone he doesn't talk to anyone and he's like what was me like my life sucks which it does to be fair and he's like stalking draco but he's not really he's kind of telling anyone everyone but they're not really taking him seriously and then he's doing the lessons the with book, Snape. Right? It's setting yeah. the tone for the sixth book. Sorry. I, when you yeah. said seventh book, I was like, he wasn't stalking Draco at Sorry. that point. Continue. continue. Yeah. Yeah. My bad. Oh no. Yeah. You're fine. So yeah, I think Sirius's death was necessary. It sucked, but okay, what about Dumbledore's? Oh yeah. He was their protector. He was there doing everything for them. He, he had to die so that Harry could go on the journey to get like, so what do you think that Dumbledore represented? What did you think that Sirius represented? And what did you think Cedric represented? Oh, these are like heavy hitting questions, Selena. I have not had time to prepare. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm like sitting here. I'm like, let's get analytical here. I can, I, I can join in too, if you would like me to. Yeah, I definitely, Sirius was the father figure, right? Because mm-hmm. Harry, Harry, sorry. I'm like, that like itches my brain. Like it makes me think of something else. And I don't know why. Um, <laughs> sorry. Harry's parents already are dead, but like he really does still lose the the one father figure he actually knew. And then Dumbledore, who kind of was another father figure to him, right? Because yeah. Hogwarts was his home and Dumbledore was teaching him and taking him in. And I think that yeah. Dumbledore symbolizes a lot of things. So I think first off, he symbolizes a relationship with Harry, but he also symbolizes um, the magic world and Hogwarts. Yeah. Like Hogwarts, especially the safety of Hogwarts. Yes. Yeah. So, like in my brain, the death of Dumbledore also symbolizes the death of Hogwarts as it is. Because mm-hmm. after Dumbledore's death, Harry never comes back 
to Hogwarts except for to like have the battle. Yeah. The battle. Yeah. So I think that it's the I think that Dumbledore and yeah. Hogwarts are synonymous. And so if you think about like what Hogwarts symbolizes, it is I think it symbolizes childhood and the magic of of childhood and innocence. Yeah. And so like for Harry all of his experiences when he's not at ho- Hogwarts like there's that he has more adult experiences does that make sense like living with the Dursleys um you know things like that I think that the Weasley's home symbolizes like that you know it's that summer freedom etc but anyway sorry I'm like getting really into the symbolism stuff but I'm like I think that Sirius Black definitely symbolizes uh the death of a father figure but I think that Dumbledore is the death of Hogwarts which is the death of childhood I totally agree that makes sense yeah I think that Sirius, or sorry, Cedric's death symbolized more of like his awakening. It's awakening him. Yeah. Like it's the death of the fun and games quite literally. Yeah. Literally. Well, I just remember like, (laughs) I'm all excited for the Harry Potter readathons until I get to the seventh book. And I'm like, oh, right. This isn't fun anymore. Everything sucks and no one's happy. Everyone's in danger. (laughs) Which is what I want to talk about for the Harry Potter book ending. So, um, I'm, I promise you, I'm not here to hurt you. Just remember this as I'm about to say this. She's like glaring at me because Anna loves yeah. it. I think that for the amount of growth that we saw in these characters and for how long we stayed with them, I think that JK Rowling owed us way more than 10 pages of epilogue. Yeah, I, I can do see point. the points. Like I would have liked to see the like Harry reunite with Ginny and I would have liked to see more of like the then Ron and Hermione. So like she owed us at least like 15 pages after he snaps the wand or no, that doesn't, that happens in the movie after he fixes his own wand yeah. and he puts the elder wand back in Dumbledore's grave. So that's how, that's how it is in the books. We were owed like 15 more pages of them going back to the castle and Molly doting over them and them grieving the loss of, um, yes, we never got them, to grieve. Yeah. And then grieving the loss of Lupin and Tonks. Like, I think that she wrote it to be like, this is war and war is awful and it's brutal and it doesn't apologize. But like, I think that we do, we, that would have been nice to read because even though the cursed child, like kind of gives you a little bit of that, um, it's not canon and nobody agrees that it's canon. No, I, uh, I think that the fan fiction I've read for Harry Potter is more canon. In fact, there's canon. Yeah. There's this fan fiction that I love now. It's where Harry and uh, Neville get super drunk and talk about like their glory their days. Yeah. Aww. And it's super funny. And it's like, I'm like, that feels. I do funny. remember. And you can find on Pottermore, like before Pottermore was what it is now. Like it was a little mm. different. J.K. Rowling would write excerpts like she wrote um, the Quidditch World Cup from Ginny's perspective and Rita Skeeter's perspective. And so you're like, yeah. you're looking at the family and you're seeing who everyone married. But I'm like, it would have been nice to get like an up close and personal look. But there are like tidbits you can find on Pottermore. I straight up love what you said, though, that if if there is a character death, then you need to allow the character time to grieve. And um, mm-hmm. when I was reading Serpent and Dove and then Blood and Honey, I think like, and obviously this was a tool that shall be used in the book, but I was like, Reed isn't grieving. He isn't like this father figure that he had with the archbishop. Sorry, spoiler. Yeah. Um, spoiler. That's okay. We've we have interviewed her. <laughs> You've had time. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> um, with the archbishop. And obviously like later on, like that's why he is like that. It's a stumbling block for him later yeah. on. But I remember being like, 
homeboy is not grieving. And I think the reader needs time to grieve. And Mm -hmm. this is how I would write like Harry Potter based off of what you said is that, you know, like that amazing, beautiful scene where like McGonagall like lights up her thing. And then you just have like that ocean of like wand, yeah. you know, and everybody Protect stands together. Students. Hogwarts is in danger. Yeah, what yeah. I wish <laughs> is that if they had that as they rebuild. Oh my gosh. You're talking about when Dumbledore died. Not when Dumbledore. No, no, no. When they're no, protecting. Okay, so I was right. Like, yeah, you're right. And they do the dome. Okay, okay. Yeah. When they do the dome. Yeah. They need something like that again but to rebuild Hogwarts. Yeah. Because what sucks is like Hogwarts crumbled and there goes like the world as we knew it. Mm-hmm. And obviously it rebuilt and it showed that it was rebuilt, but like we needed to be there to watch it. And I think that that yeah. was important. And I think that killing off Tonks and Fred and like um, Lupin. Lupin was really so unnecessary because it's not like we got to agree, like see their, the way their deaths impacted anybody. Yeah, Harry. I get that. Like, you're not supposed yeah. to like see, like, Lily and James's deaths were necessary because it changed Harry. But like, yeah, why Lupin? Why? Like, I Tom- literally think like I don't agree with it, but I'm like, it's because this is the harsh realities of war. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't take pity, and it it's not yeah. it doesn't take time to grieve it. And I think she was just trying to like really show that to the reader. So I think like, with her perspective, it's good, but I'm also like, but I was here to read a book about magic. I know. That's how they get you. That's how all yeah. of these freaking fantasy books get you is you're like, a girl gets powers. Now she has to bring down the world and all these people you got connected to are now dying. Are dying. Yeah, it's awful. That's what happened with um, Bloodleaf. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. I remember just being like, Anna, why am I weeping? Every, what the heck? Yeah. Anna, stop. It really slaps you across the face. With I have the second book and I want to read it so bad it, because the first book was so good and it made me cry, but like, it was so good, but mm-hmm. I'm so scared to read the second book after this. I'm, I have not read the second book either because I'm scared too. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> when writing a perfect ending, what points do you think the author needs to hit? I literally think that there is like, the only thing in my opinion, oh my gosh, I literally thought about this earlier. What the heck was, and I was like, it's just one thing. There's just one thing for me for a perfect ending that they need to hit. Oh, you need to show us the ending. Like, and it doesn't need to like, and not just in a page or half a page. Like you need to show the audience what their ending looks like. How they got, how they got home, how they got home. Exactly. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I forgot to talk about the Chronicles of Narnia. Mm. Have you read the Chronicles of Narnia? I, okay. I don't remember like the last couple of books, but I remember, and are you thinking only the story? Spoiler, spoiler, like, spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Yeah. This is the last are you thinking? Book. Oh, the last, last one. Um, I don't think I have read that okay. one. I'm about to spoil it for you. And you're going to, okay. your mind is going to be like, what? Okay. So in the, I loved this series. This is such a good series. Mm-hmm. And obviously there's like a lot of like Christian symbolism in it. Mm-hmm. So if that's not your jam, I'm literally going to go off for like two minutes about this because C.S. Lewis is like a Christian based author. So he yeah. uses it to kind of discuss it. So, um, Susan is like way older now and, um, the boys are there, but like basically Susan, like they were all basically Lucy's way older now, but like, she is still part of like she always like goes and visits and she believes in everything but susan has stopped like believing in it basically and she's just like she's busy with boys and like literally they write like she's interested in lipstick now and blah 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 blah. but narnia needs help there's like this huge 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 like battle that's about to happen it's the last battle which symbolizes like the last days you know yeah and um 
all of the everyone that's been a part of it like the cousins everyone they all come back um and they're all rushing to like go to the wardrobe and like go in and like save everything so as they do they all get in they like you just see them on a train and all of a sudden like it fades to black and like some people were waiting at the uh train station and somewhere in the train and then all of a sudden they're in narnia and they're like, oh my gosh, perfect. Okay, so let's go help. And they have the whole book and the whole thing goes through. And then the world, like as it is, changes. And it and um Ooh. like Aslan comes down, like how like Jesus comes down. And you find out that they all died. So they what? all had the um, yeah. So the train station it like blew up or something. Blew, like yeah, they like yeah, it, yeah, and they died, but Susan didn't. And they symbolizes like the new Narnia and like Aslan's there and stuff like that. And they get to live there forever. And that's like symbolic of heaven. Oh my gosh. What? So Susan's not there. So she's just living back where the rural world is in grief. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. That's how the Chronicles of Narnia die or not that how it ends. And you just sit there, yeah. like, I think about it sometimes. Remember, this is a children's series. Yeah. I think about it sometimes. I just sit there and I just think about it. And I'm like, how did, what? Like, At least they're happy in Narnia, right? They are happy in, Narnia, happy in Narnia. But I Susan remember- will eventually make her way there, right? Susan will. They talk about it. They're like, she's yeah. just, yeah. Which like is symbolic once again to like- Heaven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The parallels. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, that's how wow. that ends. Wow. How are you feeling after that? Heavy hitter, man. I'm like, I really vividly remember like, and I mean, I even remember like the little side books that didn't have anything to do with the kids. Yeah. I just like the first book is the creation of Narnia. And it's the the little boy and the little girl who live next to each other in the townhomes and they discover Narnia and like before yeah. the kids do and the symbolism within it all is like crazy like the silver chair Mm -hmm. my gosh yeah we have activated celine's very analytical brain today my apologies i'm like okay so if you look at the symbolism here all right let's get into our books i feel like none of my books are like i'll i'll talk about them for like two seconds because then we can talk about yours and yours will be good Pride and Pain Meditation um, is a retelling of Pride and Prejudice, basically with murder mystery. Oh, yes. And they like ended up kissing each other for like one sentence at the end, but it was like out in public. And like they before made that, out. they were they were perfectly like following the rules of society until that. And so I was like, my boy, you should have proposed to her. Like they should have had a wedding. Well, also like because of, we're in the rules of that time in our brains, we yeah. I was like, I have to look away during this kiss. Because yeah, this they started so kissing scandalous. out in like the courtyard, but like it was like a public courtyard. And I was like, um anybody could see you anybody could see you yeah, reputation's 100%. gone so that's the only thing i would change is like have him propose and actually have him get married and have a cute little kiss scene in like a library the I'd next scene i think they wrote an epilogue or something like they did like, where they're like solving a little mini case on the frozen lake yeah mm-hmm. but i'm like mm, but put a ring on it put a ring on it literally put a ring i think on that it. you have to every room every regency or like that time period like if you don't put a ring on it like i i know that like Elizabeth is a feminist in that, but I'm like, but she could, but like they like each other. They could, they could, you put it on it. Uh huh. And then the other one that I have is Darkness Club, the book three. Um, I think it's the same reason, right? Uh, it's not the same reason. It's just that so for three very long books, they're each at least 500 pages long. You are rooting for these two main characters to get together. And like, you know that they are supposed to be together. They work so well together. Tension. And they are so many trials in their way. The tension is so good. And I love these books so much. And then in the third book, you know, it all falls to crap, but then it all comes back together. 
they end up together, but like it's a half a page long. It's not their reward. There is no reward in the relationship. So I would have just changed and I would have added a chapter of them like going on a honeymoon tour or even just being where they were and just like enjoying a nice juicy kiss. That's all I wanted. We wanted the kiss. We wanted the tension. Mm-hmm. And this why this is why we have fan fiction. And this is why we have fan fiction. But those are my two um, modern-esque ones that I would change. I love it. Okay. We've got some options to discuss. Mm-hmm. Okay. The first one I want to discuss is the Red Queen series. And I have a funny story about that. So, I'm like, have you guys ever heard us talk about the Red Queen series? <laughs> no, I like cannot get over it. So um with the babysitter thing I wrote down in my notes babysitter so I had someone babysit Adelaide last week and she is so freaking cute and she like was looking at my bookshelf and she was like oh like what books would you recommend and I was like you can borrow you can take one home and she's like oh cool I love the selection series do you have anything like that and I just looked at her and I was like I'm gonna give you this book but it's it's gonna hurt you (laughs) but I'm gonna give you this book and like then like you're gonna want the second book and then you want the third book but then after that, I'm going to have to say, no, 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 no. The fourth book is a little doable, but you got to say no to the fifth. <laughs> the fifth one is so stupid. I literally, I think the problem with all of these books is that like, they all end up in war. <laughs> I'm like, I did not sign up for that. I said, remember, for- don't you remember? Uh, we were talked about this because we were like, there was a period in YA where everything was war. Everything was war. It and still I'm is. I'm literally reading Throne of Glass right now. And I'm like. Okay. Yeah, but Throne of Glass has stood the test of time. Like, yeah, because yeah. that was, yeah, that's true. It was from that time period. Yeah. <gasps> it's war, baby. And I'm not about it. I cannot read war right now. In fact, I read The Traitor Queen and then you were like, but then here's the second book. And I was like, is it war? And you were like, yeah, it is. And I was like, I'm going to put a pin in this. Are <laughs> oh, you talking about The Bridge Kingdom? The Bridge Kingdom. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I thought you were talking about, I was like, there's, I was like, I don't know enough of the titles yet. Not the Trader Queen. Sorry. Oh, you're fine. I you want to hear something funny? Queen. I bought an air fryer this like past week, but I also have been reading air of fire. Oh my gosh. That's <laughs> and so I was funny. in stories and like, there was a large confusion, <laughs> like <laughs> people DMs being like, are you talking about your air fryer or air, oh, of, air fire? of fire? <laughs> that's funny. Um, but yeah, I think that the Red Queen series, we'd have already talked about why the main points is that they didn't give us with how much crap Cal and her went through. They, they deserve sh- to be together. Yeah. And I don't I will take as much flack about anyone being like, but they figured out who they were as an individual and it was important for them. I don't they care. They should have been doing that on the page. They yeah. should have been. If you want them to be there, then they both have to deserve each other at the end. That is mm-hmm. part of the contract that we went to. I when- will say too, I feel like this book weirdly went from being like fantasy to sci-fi. Did you get that vibe at all? Like suddenly she was like living and there was castles and she was living in this castle town to like a military base. And I was like, oh, it went military base. Fast. I was like, these are like metal doors. Do I what have is- like a massive girl crush on Victoria Aveyard? And what I like, did I like literally when I saw her in public, I was like, <laughs> I was even worse. I was thinking about this story literally yesterday and physically cringed because I walked past her and I was like, you, hi, hi, you're, are you, are you on your way to a book signing? And she's like, I am. And I was like, can I, can I get a picture with you? And I'm yeah. like, Ugh. We are saying we are talking such crap for people that cannot even talk to her in her presence. We are the internet trolls right now. We are straight internet trolls. In this episode, we are internet trolls. You know what? We're allowed an opinion. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. I just, I like, and I think the reason why I acted so weird on here because of what I wanted to say was like, hey, I loved your book. What the did you think there? Like, what? Yeah. 
I know yep. that you like that. I know that you like that, but like, I don't, I don't like it. No, I'm like it, it hurts. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Not it hurts. over. It. In fact, I own Realm Breaker and I cannot open it. Same. I look at it on my shelf all the time and I'm like, I'm too scared. Is today the day where we start it? No, it's not because not. I need the full and complete series before I start her yeah. book. I will support her by buying the books. Yep. I will not I read paid them. I paid $34 for that bad 34? boy. It's freaking expensive. Yeah. She knows she can get away with it. That's why it's so expensive. Honey. Freaking Victoria. Period. You know what? I want to, I want to, I want her agent's number. Yeah. I want her agent's number. Um, <laughs> Truly devious. Um, yeah, I remember being like, yeah, I loved this series. And then I left the review for the third book. And I was like, this sounds a little jaded, Anna. <laughs> like, yeah, good. What, what was your review? <laughs> Please read it to me. I, that's oh my gosh. I'm gonna find it. <laughs> You're like, that sounds a little jaded, Anna. I'm like, like, what did you write? It's my, I will literally find it for you. I have to scroll through <laughs> all of my, um, but you log in, I'll, I'll share my thoughts. Here's the deal. Yes. I overlooked a lot of things. It was a lot more juvenile than like most books I read. And I was fine with it because I thought the mystery was so freaking good. And I loved the way that she like alluded to anxiety and stuff. But the way that you find out the ending was so quick and so stupid and so like no closure, no nothing. And then it was over. I loved the fourth book, Box in the Woods. And I hope that she does more and I will read more. Mm -hmm. I just thought the ending was so dumb, like so dumb. For the third book. For the last book, yeah. Yeah. Like the last book in the trilogy before the yeah. So yeah, I agree. Cause I'll only read like a couple of the things I said, but I said I thought the reveal was a little lackluster, mainly because I saw really no motive for it to be blank. From the very start of the series, he is just shown as really supportive, blank. I get that maybe she made him that way to make the twist even more in a suit. Wait, but me- wait, can I interrupt you? Yeah. Why did he invite her to the school to solve the mystery? Yeah. If he was the one behind it. Literally, he really did. and he just started murdering students for money. That's not a good enough motive. It makes no sense. And the fact that she never ever gave the closure of the fact that, like, oh, are you ready for this? This the- is this is spoiler. So I'm not holding back. I said I really enjoyed the flashbacks at the beginning, but the more and more they went on, it just put such a bitter taste in my mouth. I get that this is a murder mystery and sad things happen, but I mean, come on. The Ellinghams and all the people associated with them just had miserable lives with one misfortune after the other. I literally started skipping them near the end. It was just too sad for me. I can't read sad things if there's a I can read sad things if there's a relatively good payoff at the end, but even after finding Alice and the DNA test results came back negative, like maybe they would, Stevie didn't say anything. That's hard to believe. And anyway, didn't Albert have some super secret information that he was supposed to be revealed if they ever did find Alice to prove that she was the real deal that never came up again. And it was talked about multiple times. I also understand why we were given so much information in the flashbacks that never came into play. Was it just too many plot points and they all couldn't be accounted for? I don't know. And that's something that like to this day with my murder mystery, I have a document of all of the information I have leaked and like all the things because I want everything to connect at the end. In fact, I think that's why I am, my brain hurts every day of my life right now is because I don't want to hurt my readers like I have yeah. been hurt. No, I, get I don't it. care I'm, about like, I don't want to either. I don't want to hurt them. I don't want to hurt them. Okay. The maze runner. Ugh. The maze runner my gosh i the pacing incredible i couldn't breathe when i was reading i wanted to keep going i remember reading the scorch trials <sighs> and being like out of breath myself because i was like oh physically like physically i cannot believe all the crap that is happening yeah. i remember being like and this was so funny um 
this was so funny. No, this is not funny. Um, when I was like a young adult and I was flirting with boys, I would, I borrowed this series from my friend. And for the first time ever, people were like texting me like, are you okay? Are you mad at me? Are you sick? Like, why aren't you hanging out with us? Because I literally would go to like the activity that I would hang out with for like 40 minutes. And I'd be like, I have to go home and read. I, or like, I would be like, Ooh, can't tonight I'm reading. And everyone would be like, what did we do? Like, why aren't you hanging out? You're always at these things. And I was like, I have to know what happened. This was like the first book I feel like I read where I was like, everybody's dying. Nobody's okay. The The girls sucks. The girls were as flat as a freaking flat. In fact, I met them and then literally never cared about them. I don't think I ever cared about them. They only were plot devices. Yeah, that was it. There were only plot devices meant to say meant for him to like kiss or give him information. And then they were either supposed to die, sacrifice themselves or like leave. And I literally was like, and take this off. We never got closure. He had to write two extra books. Yeah. As prequels to explain what the freak happened. And the epilogue sucked. And he ended up with the girl why did he end up with her? He ended up with like the sidekick girl. The main girl dies. The main girl dies. And yeah. she gives everything up for him. And then he like kisses like next chapter. They are watching the sunset and over their new world that they have found. Yep. And they he kisses her. And I was like, what? Teresa deserved more. Is that her name? He did. Yeah, it is Teresa. Oh, Divergent. Ugh. Poor Tess. We could not have this episode without talking about Divergent. They didn't even make the third Divergent movie, did they? They shouldn't have. They should never have done it. Like, I cannot emphasize how much that book hurt me. Yeah. Why would an author do that? That makes no sense. Especially when the brother would have been way better. Anyways. Yeah. I'm, like, trying to think about it all. I don't think I remember enough about the Divergent series. She like you know enough I know I know enough but like still sucks it sucks okay I have one thing for the Hunger Games I know I'm like what would you change for the Hunger Games I I mean I'm I can only imagine what you would change right okay four things um spoiler 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 spoiler. I don't think that Prim should have died yeah it doesn't felt like a that felt she just literally slapped her readers in the face and she's like if you it was an unnecessary death yeah and the only thing it did, like, she could have Katniss, made Peter the main hanging, love interest. Katniss was hanging by a thread. Yet. Okay, here's the deal. Katniss was hanging by a freaking thread. Yeah. She was not okay. She already went through the emotional development. Let's just kill the entire reason why why she did it in the first place. Yeah. And then she has to scream at the cat. When she's screaming at the cat, I'm like, that was when I realized that Prim was dead because she did it so quickly that I was so confused. Yeah. And I was like, no, no, this is because Katniss had so many like hazy dream kind of like mm-hmm. moments. Like, yeah. I understood Finnick's death, but Prim's death. Finnick already sucked. Like Finnick, their readers were reading that and we were like, wait, no, 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 no. And then to like give Prim all this amazing, like she is a little nurse and she's helping all these little kids and she is helping the people around her. Like she has only ever been a force for good. You could have made us dislike Gail in any other way. 
I don't understand why we even needed to dislike Gail. PETA already won my heart. PETA yeah. already was fine. PETA was mm-hmm. fine. I liked PETA. In fact, I've been rereading the books and I've been watching the movies again. And I love PETA. Gosh, I love PETA <laughs> so much. But like Gail, Gail was fine. And like Gail would have, I liked, I loved Katniss's thing where she's like, Gail could get it anywhere, anytime. Like he was fine. I, PETA and I yeah. were like, like, she's like, I'm not worried about Gail. He's going to find yeah. some girl, which was fine. Like I'm, yeah. why does there have to be some giant? I would love to like know her reasoning behind that. I'm sure there's some interview we could look up online that somebody has asked. And I will, and I will look and it up I online. Will. <laughs> okay. Second thing is we need to see her heal. I loved the dandelion analogy mm-hmm. at the end of the epilogue. But it, it literally was like, and it was cool because I was like, oh, Katniss felt like the world was safe enough to have children. But like, I did not feel like she and PETA were okay. Oh, no. When she's like, and then PETA has to reassure me that our children are okay. And he has to reassure me that there's going to be no more Hunger Games. And I felt like I was like, mentally, she feels like a little bit of a husk, <laughs> you know, like they were, a husk. She, I mean, she really went through it. So I Once understandable, again, but like, this is a war. How did we end up here again? Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, it was that specific time in YA where everybody was like, you know what? I bet people would love to read about really prepared us for 2020 to 2023. I'm just saying like, we are, we're prepared. We are true. We are scarred. You think you can hurt us? You, you think, think you, you can, can hurt, hurt us? us? <laughs> I was there during the dystopian era. I'm not okay. Yeah, literally. <laughs> so what would, what would make it better? I don't know. Like, I don't really know what would be true to Katniss. Like, would she be a fun mom who chases her kids around? I need to see Katniss in deep therapy. I need to see Katniss like in therapy with someone and, and her being like, I'm good. And I want her to Mm -hmm. like, Katniss never in the entire book sat down and like made herself a cup of tea. Exactly. So like, I can't imagine her being a mother in like a setting like that, where she's like brushing her daughter's hair and like, joking with her and I'm sure like maybe I'll just put that own image in my head but like yeah she definitely felt like a husk in the uh, epilogue where she was like basically PETA has to tell me everything's okay and then I just have to be like okay (laughs) real or not real real or the fact that they like fell in love quote unquote again when like she like would come into his bed because she was so scared and needed to be comforted and finally one night he turns over and he's like you love me real or not real and she goes real and I was like but like does that what, really? Do you love him because of what you've been through together? Or do you, or do you love, love him, him because he's a body that's next to you? Yeah. Literally. I will say, I do think Peter deserved like a little bit more from her. <laughs> but, you know, it's, I mean, like if there was any book about war and how much it sucks, it's the freaking Hunger Games. So. Well, like couldn't put it down. Yeah. It was great. It, it was so good. Mm-hmm. But like, I literally remember like being, like walking around and like just like everyone you know there's like a meme where it's like everyone around you is so happy and they're living their lives and they're like what's wrong mm-hmm. and you're like this fictional character like I just read this book and like I'm not okay I'm too attached to these fictional characters yeah and I don't get any time after that it's like I just went through so much with these characters and now the books ended and I don't get to see what their lives are like like what we fought for because I'm like I, I was yeah. right there with you I was yeah. fighting with you and now I don't get to see I get that like they're living out in the woods in a meadow somewhere and like the world is healing and a little bit at peace but like yeah I get what you mean and this is why we read guilty pleasures yes because like I'm sorry I can't watch somebody get hurt this bad and not get the closure I need oh yeah I totally agree okay summer I turned pretty is my last one <sighs> let me just guess what you're gonna say 
Belly and Conrad deserve to have more of a wedding, right? No, the third book was so confusing. They spent, so the first book was her and Conrad, like meeting, like, and it was like, he kind of was a douchebag and that's fine. But like, and she had this pining. And then in the second book, like she realizes that like she wants Jeremiah and Jeremiah and her are like, they like, she doesn't like, feel that way about him yet but like they both and they're all dealing with grief the whole book is like about yeah. how deal about grief but like then but like uh what's his face conrad like doesn't scare me do, like he's not no. very helpful he's kind of a jerk and we get all these flashbacks of him skipping prom ditching well, her. so yeah the first book like you have flashbacks where he's like you're so special belly like don't forget that how special of a girl you are and then the second book the flashbacks are all like they were together, but then, yeah, he skipped prom. He started really letting her down. He was weird and he wasn't there. With his family, with his literal mother. And then yeah. the third book. So, like, at the end of the second book, she and Jeremiah, like, she's like, you know what? Like, Conrad, he's something that I've always dreamed of, but, like, he's not real and he's not good for me. So I'm going to go with Jeremiah, who is a really good person. And then and he, like, throughout, even from the first book was like, I like you, Belly. I, like, I really like you. And I could treat you right. And he's so sweet. He's just a sweet little boy. Yeah. He wants to take care of her. And we get in his perspective and it's so cute. Mm-hmm. And then we get the third book. And is it hot it and amazing and so good tension? Yes, it's so good. But this is, but like, it's like two different people. Are it changes every, like everyone feels different. Everyone. Jeremiah or Jeremy, Jeremiah, I think is his name. Jeremiah. He would never, he would never cheat on Belly. He cheated on her like yeah and then he and then because he feel because she goes you cheated on me he's like do you want to marry do you want to get married like what that was and their then solution she says, yes I'm like and they the, would never do this doesn't come to the wedding it yeah. isn't until Conrad talks to her and then Conrad and her are in the mm-hmm. same house and they have all these feelings but they can't talk about them because she's trying to there and then I didn't even get to read the letter that her you know her future mother-in-law wrote to her yeah because they and like it's it's addressed to conrad it's talks <laughs> about conrad and like the mother knew the whole time of conrad and then like jeremiah is like oh whatever like jeremiah was so stupid and it, i was like these are two different people i like i cannot hate jeremiah after i have so loved him for the first two books like yeah and we only get to see Conrad in very small pieces. We never got to see his growth on the page. No, never. So it was like, we yeah. saw Jeremiah's growth. So we're rooting for his, but we never mm-hmm. got to see Conrad's growth during the book. It was just suddenly he's a better person than Jeremiah. And we never got to see Jeremiah's decline or why he was. No, because decline. Jeremiah really steps up and he starts taking on a lot of the responsibilities. And I'm like, I feel like someone who does that wouldn't just like cheat one day. Yeah. And then, so like the book ends with Belly like, leaving and going on her own path and then the epilogue is of them going off to their wedding and what happened I guess is that Conrad wrote her a bunch of letters and they like started a relationship and then like years later they got married but like we never saw that on like the actual we never got to see that on the page this is Jenny Han's chance because this is getting turned into a series this is your chance Jenny to freaking not make Jeremiah such a d-bag and give Conrad the on-page character development that he deserved. Yes, thank you, and welcome to our TED Talk. This was the end yes. of our TED Talk. This is the end of our TED Talk. Thank you for coming. You're welcome. This is the most serious episode we've ever had because we did not mess around about <laughs> <laughs> this. Nah, thank it you, was thank fun. you. Um, we are the Internet Trolls. Uh, feel free to check in at any time. Yeah, today was the day.
We love you guys. We love you. We will see you next week. Bye. Bye.